This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 294. The most basic blocks of ice in your igloo will be, in my opinion, reading, writing, because if you can do those two things, right, you can learn to be a better coach. So real fundamental things. Not all adults can read and write, by the way. Right. So this is what our brain tells us is we're useless and we're rubbish and we'll never be any good at it. So what the eagle allows us to do is really step back and think about ourselves and do some intelligent self-watching. And then, yeah, you will have different skills as a coach. You might have different tools that you use that you've learned to use, your listening skills, all these real basic things. And there'll be other things that you want to develop, other things you want to learn. You might, your ears might have peaked up and you might be thinking, well, I want to learn how to use behavioral science to actually help my people to change their behavior. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. We're talking about a really important aspect today of habit, something we all have. And maybe we need to determine are our habits working for us or against us? That's where my guest, Dr. John Finn, is going to come in and he's going to be talking to us about how we can use our habits to help influence our confidence, hopefully in a positive way. So we'll get to that in just a minute. If you have yet to meet me, my name is Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive and mentor coach. I'm also a coach instructor and I've had the honor of working with thousands of coaches over this past 13 years to help them develop their skills and their businesses as coaches. Now, one of the things that I am absolutely passionate about is that if you are a credentialed coach, you worked hard to earn that credential. And I certainly hope that you're protecting that credential by doing what you need to do to keep it up to date. If you have any confusion about what that is, I created a free resource, a video around what you need to know to keep your credential fresh. So if that interests you, go to starcoachshow.com slash credential, starcoachshow.com dot com slash credential. And I just encourage you to really be aware of all the elements that go into that so that you can be mindful about keeping every box checked and not waiting till the last minute and feeling like you're behind the eight ball. So I hope that is a helpful resource for you. And I want to dive into what we're going to be talking about today. So I shared that Dr. John Finn is our guest. He wrote his best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, because his life's mission is to help people be their best in the challenging world that we live in. Now, his book has proven to change lives. People have told him it's a manual for life or it's a toolkit for success. And it actually contains over 30 self-improvement tools. So it's a robust book. And It helps us determine how our habits are influencing our lives, which is exactly what I asked him to talk about in our interview today. Now, Dr. John Finn founded the award-winning Tougher Minds Consultancy, 
and has three psychology-related degrees, including his PhD. He's worked in performance psychology, resilience, and leadership science for over 20 years. When we talked about all the different things that John could talk about in our interview today, we decided that the concept of confidence is just so important in the way that we engage in our partnership in with our coaching clients. And it just seemed like the key thing to zero in on. And he agreed to do that. John has trained and coached over 10,000 people along with his colleagues in global businesses, in high growth startups. He's coached individuals. He's coached elite athletes and teams. He's just really applied this work to the world, which is exactly what I work with coaches around. How do you bring your work to the world? Well, John is a great example of that. And I'm not going to make you wait any longer to meet him. So let's go to my interview with Dr. John Finn. Dr. John Finn, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Hey, Meg, thank you for having me. I am delighted to have you. And uh, we're talking about an important, well, so many important things today. We're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about building confidence and how those two things might work together. We're going to talk about your great book, The Habit Mechanic, Fine-Tune Your Brain and Supercharge How You Live, Work, and Lead, except there's not lead in there, but uh, or the and part. Let me say that again. Fine-tune your brain and supercharge how you live, work, lead. There you go. So with that, let's start with, you know, you do this great work. You live in England. Uh, What led you to do the kind of work that you're doing now? I was always quite good at playing sports. And I understood that there was a big mental component to playing sport well. I had a particular experience where I was playing in the most important rugby match of my life. And I made a big mistake and it was because of how I was talking to myself in not a particularly helpful way, telling myself not to do something, don't do it, don't do it, don't drop the ball. I didn't even drop the ball. I completely missed the ball. The opposition scored. I got substituted. I was studying sports psychology at the time. So this is my, I went to university to study sports science, sports psychology, and I got quite a bad injury. So I couldn't play high level rugby anymore. So I decided I was going to make it my mission in life to help other people to do better. So I went off and did my master's in sports psychology, went to work in professional sport in the capacity of the psychologist, if you like. And then I got interested in other areas like in education and business. And I I grew tougher minds out of that. And all the things that I talk about in the habit mechanic, all that stuff started from sports psychology. My passion really is is helping other people to be at their best. And I get immense satisfaction from that. So yeah, that's a summary of how I got into this and why I do it. Well, and isn't it interesting that, you know, we tell ourselves don't, don't this, that, but the brain doesn't hear the don't, it just hears the thing that came after that. So, you know, don't think about a pink elephant. The first thing we're going to do is think about a pink elephant, but all those don'ts that we were really kind of infusing our brain with that thought. So I read that in your book about your rugby. Uh, and, and I just hurt for that young man. I hurt for how it must have felt and, and what that experience was like. And as we move into our topic for today, you know, one of the things that I think traditionally 
as we're building, maybe for, for the coaches listening, as you're building your practice, as you're building your coaching skills and knowledge, I think that we focus on if we build our skills and our, our knowledge, we're going to meet our potential. We're going to build the kinds of businesses we want or be the kinds of coaches that we want to be. But in fact, there's miss, something kind of missing in that approach, isn't there? And, and what would you say is missing when we just focus on our knowledge and our skills? Yeah, I think and it's nobody's fault. It's the way we get taught. And our understanding of human behavior is, is developing all the time. It's developed say, rapidly in the last 20 years or so. We've been lied to, really. We've been taught that if you tell people or if you can get people to understand what they need to do differently, give them the self-awareness and some skills, that's going to help them to change their behavior. But we don't do what we know we should do. We do what we're in the habit of doing. And, you know, the pink elephant idea, I think that's George Lakoff's work, one of the pioneering scientists in understanding that our brain is driven by mindless behavior. Another great American scientist, Daniel Dennett, who's influenced by two great British scientists, Charles Darwin and <laughs> Alan Turing. You know, Dennett shows that, or they're able to explain very succinctly that our brain is running, or your brain is made up of about a trillion tiny mechanisms that are just turning mindlessly. So we are running on habits. So we can agree all day long. It's a great idea to eat five portions of fruit and veg a day. It's not a great idea to be beating myself up. Here are some skills. I understand how to use them. But we go back to the habit. So the big part of education, certainly I missed out, and I've done three psychology-related degrees, including a PhD, was, well, actually, how do you get them to do it? And that's behavioral science. So a lot of the work that I've done and had to learn myself is how do you take the behavioral science, which is often very academic, very fragmented across different experts across the world, and how do you use that to actually help people to, to do something differently? That is to build better habits. Because that's another surprising thing is that you know the mindless behavior and we get good at what we practice doesn't just work for the things you want to get better at. It's working all the time. So the things that you, that you don't like doing, like beating yourself up, Every time you practice that, you're getting better at that. So often we're trying to help people and we think we're helping them to change, but actually they're getting better at the thing they've come to, to us to get better at not doing. Right. The thing they're trying to avoid is the thing that they're actually getting better at. Yeah, because we're just mindlessly practicing these things invisibly. Okay. So then the issue would be how do we you know, pay attention to those habits, be aware of those habits? When I was a therapist for so many years, one of the things I would say to my clients is the things that you do and, and the ways that you react that run under the radar that are automatic are far more powerful because they're kind of unseen yet doing all this sort of damage in many ways. So when we can help you understand or increase your awareness about what's happening, you can at least begin to make some choices about that. But when we were talking about what you would with all this body of knowledge that you have and all the work that you've done and that we only had 30 minutes to, together to be able to really zero in on something, we talked about the concept of confidence because it is in bringing forward things confidently that we're more likely to sort of engage fully in life. And we certainly want our audience to engage fully. So when we think about the concept of habits, how do they potentially impact our confidence? Confidence is the belief system in yourself. And again, that is driven by mindless thinking. So whatever you believe about yourself, 
is an automatic thinking loop that's come from somewhere. So it's a recognition that we can be more confident, but it's about developing better thinking habits. And there are some ways that, that we can do that. But first of all, we have to recognize that this is about what we think and thinking is, is mainly mindless. It's just uh, unconscious behavior. And when I say behavior behavior in my world means thinking and doing. So, you know, behavior is everything that we're doing. And most of it is, is a habit. Well, and that's a good container to put it in. So when Dr. Finn is talking about behaviors, it's thinking and doing, because it's all in that container together. So when we think about confidence in your book, you talked about two parts of confidence. Can we highlight those? Yeah. So I think where we've typically get confidence wrong. Well, one is just as a, as a starting point, it's deemed that, well, that person's just conf- that person's really confident and that person's got no confidence. And for me, that's not a very helpful way to think about it. I always <laughs> like to think of things on a continuum. One, in, one end is you're perfect. The other end is you're poor. We call it the P2 continuum. And that's a really good self-watching tool. Self-watching is just analyzing yourself, thinking about yourself, and it helps you to do more intelligent self-watching. So whatever you want to be more confident in, it could be as a coach. That's a good frame point. You're not, you're very rarely at one extreme of the continuum. And imagine perfect is 10 out of 10. One is poor. You're somewhere in between. So it's recognizing where you are and then recognizing that you can improve your confidence and your abilities as a coach because your brain is like plasticine and you can change. Where I find people often get confidence wrong is that they just talk about self-esteem, which is your belief in yourself. But confidence has two parts. It has esteem and efficacy. And I find a really helpful metaphor to think about confidence is the igloo of confidence that we've created. So think of an igloo for your coaching. When you have multiple igloos in your life, it's like you've got a housing estate of igloos. Some of them are in really good condition. Some of them need lots of work. But your coaching igloo has two parts. It has the external structure. That's your belief in how good you are at a coach. And then it has the individual ice blocks. That's the evidence. That's the self-efficacy. So if you want to build confidence, you need both belief, your esteem, and the evidence, your efficacy. And you know, you might have a bad coaching session, for example. And if you don't understand the things that make you a good coach, the blocks of ice, then your confidence will be much more fragile. So that's why it's important to recognize what the ice cubes are, because anyone can have a bad day and a bad session. If we know what the evidence is, what our skills are, what our knowledge is that makes us a good coach or that makes us a seven out of 10, wherever we're at, then our confidence won't crumble. So we teach people to use that igloo model to build up their confidence one tiny block of ice at a time. And that's going to help you to build more robust confidence. I love that because that sort of the shell over the igloo if you don't have any blocks kind of holding that shell up, that shell's really fragile. And yet all of these blocks of the evidence of what we've done. So I guess that include things like skills and knowledge. And yet we still want to kind of look at what are we habitually doing? Is that accurate? Yeah. So the most basic blocks of ice in your igloo will be, in my opinion, reading, writing, because if you can do those two things, right, you can learn to be a right. better coach. So real fundamental things. Not all adults can read and write, by the way. Right. So this is what our brain tells us is we're useless and we're rubbish and we'll never be any good at it. So what the eagle allows us to do is really step back and think about ourselves and do some intelligent self-watching. And then, yeah, you will have different skills as a coach. You might have different tools that you use that you've learned to use, your listening skills, all these real basic things. 
And there'll be other things that you want to develop, other things you want to learn. You might, your ears might have peaked up and you might be thinking, well, I want to learn how to use behavioral science to actually help my people to change their behavior and not just understand what to do. So that might be the next ice cube that you want to freeze. So it's recognizing what's there and which ice cubes you want to build up. And in the habit mechanic, the spine of the book is the habit mechanic intelligence igloo, and then the chief habit mechanic intelligence igloo, where as you work through the book, you you can see how you're building up your igloo. One, to understand how to be a better version of yourself, the habit mechanic intelligence igloo, and then how to start helping other people to do better, the chief habit mechanic intelligence igloo. What was it that had you pick igloo as your analogy? Trial, error, testing things out, you know, just trying to make it as simple as possible, as relatable as possible. Another great American academic, uh, Gene Twang, who, who wrote a great book called Generation Me, you know, showing that when the American education system really went for confidence and tried to boost it and supercharge it, they missed out efficacy. They went straight for esteem. And the data is very clear that it created an entire generation of people who had really great belief in themselves, but very little evidence to support that. So when they went into the big bad world and they got knockbacks, they just crumbled because they'd never had setbacks before. And they didn't really understand where their confidence came from. They'd just been told that they were good. Right. So, the, you know, taking that scientific understanding and trying to make it easy to understand for people. That's what the habit mechanic approach is all about, trying to take complex things and make them simple so we can understand them as practitioners, but more importantly, help our clients to understand them. It's one of the things about the igloo concept that I really like is that, you know, it has to be frozen in. It has to be like solid to really support you versus like, you know, being liquid or fluid or, or to run away, to have a cube of ice, it's really, it's set, it's solid. So as I was kind of reading the book and exploring that, the concept was just like, okay, it's solid. It's solid in my igloo if it's helping to uh, support and build my evidence. So as our listeners are kind of thinking about this igloo of confidence and the blocks that go into it to, to support this shell, of our belief. What are some specific things that we can all do to really strengthen that igloo? The first thing is we need to recognize, and you might have, well, you will have several of these igloos in your life, as I said before, and just to write them down, what are they? So I, I would say I've got a habit mechanic intelligence igloo. And for me, that's the most important intelligence that we can develop, learning to be at our best. We live in a world where the only constant is change. So whatever capacities we've got right now, to be at our best probably won't be enough to be at our best in six months or 12 months. So we've got to keep working on ourselves and that's going to help us to feel happy as well because we're making that, we're achieving those meaningful goals. So I'd have my mechanic intelligence glue. I'd have my chief of mechanic intelligence glue. I'd have maybe a, a sales and marketing glue. I'd have a trying to be a great family member glue, trying to be a great friend glue. If I had time, I might have a golf glue. You know, you've got all these different igloos and you can just start by giving yourself a score out of 10 for each one. Where do you think each one's at at a high level? And then you can start to dig a little bit deeper into the ones where you think, that's my target for this month. That's the one I want to work on. And if it's your coaching igloo, you could start to recognize well, what are the blocks of ice that I have in here? And what's the next block of ice that I want to freeze? So then we're moving from a very broad into very, very specific, targeting something. And then whatever we target, we need to create a plan. So I know you like practical things on this show. So we've just gone through a little swap cycle there. Swap means self-watch. 
aim plan. And that's probably the most basic change mechanism that we use. So you help people to swap their behavior. You start by self-watching. So creating the igloos is a self-watching exercise. Then you move to an aim, you target something, and then you create a plan. Well, how am I actually going to freeze that new ice cube, create those new neurons in my brain to help me to get better at that area? So as, as you were talking, it, it's clear to me that even coaching, we could have more than one igloo. So we could have our coaching skills igloo. We could have our coach marketing igloo because many times we're far more confident in our skills than we are in the way that we market or build our business or vice versa, I suppose. We could have our, I guess, even like our client, like the way that we, well, I would think that that's with skills. But as I'm thinking about this, there's, there would be even under the coaching umbrella, you could have several different igloos that you're rating and kind of scaling. Where am I in my confidence in this area? And what do I need to do to build that? What blocks of ice need do I need to zero in on and focus? And to your point, like, don't try to build all your igloos all the time. Constant. I mean, you, maybe we pick a particular area to focus and put our energy. Yeah, that's it. We've got to be really specific, really focused, and then have a clear plan. And if we can use behavioral science mm-hmm. in the plan, and in the book, we talk about the nine action factors, and we show you how to use habit building plans to activate the nine action factors, you've got a better chance of actually building the new habits you want to build and not just knowing what you want to do, actually being able to do it and freezing the ice cube, ticking it off and then moving on to the next ice cube. So we have a really lazy dominant brain. We call it the alive perceived energy brain or the eight brain for short. And it just wants to give you a narrative that, yeah, you're really good at this or you're rubbish at that. So we have to switch on the prefrontal cortex And we have to make ourselves do that intelligent self-watching. You know, that's what you're trying to help your clients do. You've got to do it for yourself as well. But again, knowing what we'd like to improve is one thing. Actually creating a plan that helps us to improve is another thing. And that's why the behavioral science is so important. Oh, good. You have another concept in your book called COSY, I guess, K-O-S-Y, that also has to do with confidence. Can you, uh, can we step into some COSY? Yeah. So again, we're just trying to create something that feels comforting. So it is, so it is cozy, yeah, although it's spelled with a K, um, that we can use to start freezing those new ice cubes. So we think, okay, well, if we want to build confidence in an area, where can we, where can we start? So we know that broadly speaking, we can get confidence from four core areas. One is getting more knowledge. Okay. And the example I use, yeah, well, I suppose if, if I'm a coach, let's just do a behavioral science example, I can get more knowledge about the nine action factors model, for example. That's one thing. The o, the o in COSY stands for others. So I can get support from others in doing that. I could get support from uh, John and the having mechanic and some get some external expertise. I can also get emotional support. Could be from my peer group, could be from my partner saying, look, I'm learning something new right now. So just bear with me. I'm just trying a few different ideas out. S in COSY stands for, so you've got K for knowledge, O for others. S stands for skills. So knowing about the nine action factors is one thing. Being able to use it as a skill to help yourself and your clients is another. So you're going to have to learn how to use habit building plans, for example, to actually activate the nine action factors and put them into practice and do that in a client setting, help you get up to speed so you can actually help your client to do that. And then the Y in COSY stands for you. So we've all got these U transferable skills like reading, writing, listening, persisting, being resilient, 
whatever they are for you, we list loads of those things in the book. We often think that, you know, I, I just don't have any confidence, I don't have any abilities in this new thing I want to develop. But actually, when we look at in a bit more detail, we recognize, well, actually, I've got these transferable skills that I can bring to any situation. So knowledge, others, skills, you, that's quite a neat little framework to get going to help us to start thinking about how do I move from a, a seven on this coaching continuum up to a seven and a half? And how do I start to freeze that new block? Good. Excellent. And like John said there, we're not asking you to jump from a seven to a 10. Those small steps are what's going to create sustainable change and and focus. So one final thing as our time is kind of running out, you have lots of reflection exercises in the book. And I just love self-reflection. I love it. And I didn't pick one. I wanted to kind of throw it to you and say, if you could share just one reflection exercise with the audience uh, that maybe they could begin to implement today, what exercise might be a worthwhile exercise for them? Well, our most basic self-reflection exercise is called the daily T plan, which is in chapter one of, of the book. So T stands for tiny empowering action. This is just something we can do in two minutes a day. It's something that I do. It's one of my super habits. And I think doing, spending two minutes doing this each day saves me literally hours each day. Wow. And it's a three-step process. First thing you do is you ask yourself the question, how well did you do your best to be your best and achieve your goals yesterday? If you're doing it in the morning or if you're doing it maybe later on in the day, you could say, oh, so far today. 10 would mean you were perfect. One would mean you failed. And obviously there are scores in between. So you give yourself a score out of 10. Then you create your tiny empowering action. Here are some examples that I use. Only check the news once today. Go for a five minute walk at lunchtime. Write a positive reflection at the end of the day. So you write that down, you commit to that. And then step three, you say, why? Why is doing that thing going to help me? So if I only check the news once today, I'll be more productive. I'll get my work done faster. I'll get to finish work on time. I'll get to spend more time with my family. I'll get to bed on time, et cetera. If I go for a five-minute walk at lunchtime, I'll be more productive in the afternoon. Might have very similar benefits to the other one. If I write a written reflection at the end of the day, it's going to help me to draw a line in the sand between work and home life. It's going to activate my evening routines. It'll help me to de-stress, sleep better, or feel better the day afterwards. So you ask, you give yourself a score out of 10, you commit to a tiny empowering action, and you say, why? Now that sounds very, very simple. It's taken quite a long time to make that very simple because it's got a lot of complex neuroscience, behavioral science embedded into that. But that's a really powerful starting point. And if you want to be a habit mechanic, it's really about two simple things. One is more intelligent self-watching and the other thing is more intelligent planning. To do more intelligent planning, you need to understand what your brain is designed to do and what are the factors that drive your behavior. So you need more neuroscience insights, more behavioral science insights. But that's why we wrote The Habit Mechanic, because it makes all that really accessible for you, you know, but also for your clients as well. So that'll be one thing I would recommend doing if that helps, Meg. That helps tremendously. That was beautifully said and laid out. And I hope all of you made notes with that. Although you can also get The Habit Mechanic and it's all laid out in there as well. So John, our time is coming to a close. How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about the work that you're doing? Yeah. So you could go to our website, which is tougherminds.co.uk. Loads of free resources on there, including uh, the Daily Tea Plan resource. Um, I do a lot on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, okay. uh, which is Dr. Finn, Dr. John Finn. At, uh, well, Dr. John Finn on LinkedIn, just search for that. Obviously, you can get the book if you're interested in that, which is available at all 
major uh, book retailers, including Amazon. We've got an app coming out soon. Oh, which might be interesting to some people. Yeah, you can sign up for that on our website. So yeah, lots of different places to connect with us. Awesome. We're going to have all, we'll have all those links on the show notes for this episode so that you can learn more about how you can create habits that really help you achieve the kinds of things that you want in life. And I appreciate your time this afternoon for you, this morning for me, and you being willing to really dive into some of these things that we can do to strengthen our confidence so that we can engage more powerfully with our clients. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you to everyone for listening and taking the time to do that. So many interesting things to apply to the way that you engage, the the habits that you have. I want to thank Dr. John Finn for joining the show and sharing his expertise with us. If you'd like to know more about the work that he does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 294, starcoachshow.com slash 294, and pick up all the links to connect with Dr. John Finn in the show notes. Next week, I am excited to be visiting with you individually again. And so I always look forward to my solo shows. I feel like I'm spending time just with you. Be sure to come back next week as we dive into another solo show. And if you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen so that more coaches can find the show. Until next week, this is Meg Rinchler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.